Hey, thanks for listening to Tebs Talks, the premier useless podcast. Don't forget to give it a like, give it a share, and follow the podcast to hear more episodes. Hey, what is good, people? It is Tebs Talks, the premier useless podcast. Back again with more reading of my book, Five Keepers Moonbrook. If you haven't listened to the previous chapters, go ahead and listen to those. Where we last left off, um, Nordai and Jamoth had done some snooping, and Jamoth got a little in over his head. He got a little more than he bargained for. So, this chapter is called Wedding. The wedding wasn't short of important figures. The bishop, to officiate the ceremony, judges Derek and Hansel, one to legalize the wedding and both as invited guests, Duke Charles, another invited guest, and even the king, who received an invitation out of politeness, but wasn't expected to come due due to his position and busy schedule. It was a pleasant surprise to all but one, the bishop. Legions of other government and religious members were at the event as well. To say the couple was popular did them an injustice. They had friends from all over, were praised as fearless leaders, and were kind to all they met. There was no doubt their future was only going to get better and brighter. They were seen as almost royalty and treated the same. They were conflicted, however. The couple enjoyed doing great things and cherished the friends they had, but they didn't like being adored or all the special attention. It was why so often they dressed down in public or stayed in secluded areas such as the Brotherhood's Inn. They weren't amist and never would be. Today, they happily allowed as an exception. It wasn't every day one got married, and it would be, and it would be the only time either Tegan or Jane would ever be married. The wedding was in a courtyard in the castle walls. The summer sun shined without a cloud in the sky, so without a cloud in the sky to dampen the mood. For the middle of summer, the weather wasn't too hot, and even in his full ceremonial attire. Tegan was comfortable, at least in temperature. His nerves were getting the best of him as he waited in the groom's room. Tegan, Caval to Tegan, the father of light wishes to speak to his faithful servant. Jalen waved his hands, mere centimeters from Tegan's face. Okay, I'll do it. Nordai stood up and adjusted his groomsman outfit. The group looked at him, minus Tegan. I'll marry Jane. I mean, this whole thing was set up and everyone is here and Jane is looking to get married. But look at this man. He isn't fit to be wed. I'll take one for the team. This wasn't the first time Nordai had joked about marrying Jane if Tegan was too afraid to go through with it. Tegan came back from the beyond. No, 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 no. Let's take a step back here. I'm going to marry my fiancé, soon to be wife. I am more than capable of being a husband. Tegan had led armies and fought evils, but getting married was the one thing that caused the man to lose all his bravery. He wasn't scared. He wasn't unsure of his decision. He was more excited than anyone in the group had ever been about anything. His excitement, one would think, would, wouldn't cause him to get lost in a blank stare and lose track of his surroundings. But again, he trailed off. Tegan, I need to talk to you. Jalen had to pull Tegan out of, the do- out of the door. Okay, man, spill it. I've seen you two gush over each other for months being engaged. I watched you two be on again and off again for months before that. I have no question that you two love each other, and I know you are excited and happy, and you couldn't be marrying a better woman for you, so why? Jalen snapped his fingers to get Tegan's attention again. Look at me. Why are you suddenly so afraid? Tegan took a deep breath and pursed his lips. Would he lie or tell the truth? He wasn't one to lie, and it was eating away at his sanity. I haven't been with her yet. 
the words came out as if spoken fast enough as if spoken fast enough would allow him to tell the truth but Jalen wouldn't know what he said you haven't been what Jalen was confused for half a second oh 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 his face told the story of where his thoughts were going don't take offense to this question but why not we felt it was best to wait until we were married Tegan straightened his back to reassure himself of that decision. Well, that is lovely. You are a stronger man than I. At least you have some experience, so you aren't going in completely bl- completely blind, right? Jalen was hopeful this would reveal the truth he didn't know about Tegan. There was no answer for a while. I wanted to only ever be with one person. You are a far greater man than I, Willard. Willard was Tegan's last name and it was used during light banter between friends. What about her? Is she experienced? No. Tegan wanted to wait. Or, no. She wanted to wait to be with her husband as well. Tegan's face lit up with a big smile, then concern again. This story is so sweet it makes my tooth ache. Gosh, I hate you two. In the most loving way possible. Jalen was rambling to try and collect his thoughts. On the bright side... And there's always a bright side. You two get to experience the first time together. You get to take each other. That alone should be sacred enough to get through the awkwardness of not having clue what you are doing. I can give no tips, for no tips are needed. You two get to create a moment that works for you and for you two alone, and it is mightier than any spell, my friend. Tegan's shoulders relaxed, and he was at ease with this new perspective on things. The, smer- the ceremony was getting ever closer, and the men needed to take their places. Now, go out there and marry that woman. Be in the moment. That will come at the right time, and will be more natural than you think. I'll round up the others and get them into their spots. The two men men embraced each other before Tegan walked off towards the awaiting party guests. Oh, one more thing. Use a rubbing oil. One save for... You know what, I'll just slip one into your belongings before you two leave tonight. Tegan nodded and turned the corner. Jalen opened the door and was greeted by three far too casual men. So, what was that about? Nordai couldn't help himself when it came to gossip. He just needs a pep talk. Who isn't a little nervous on their wedding day? Jalen wasn't lying. Jamath found his moment. He's going to need a little more than that. More than pep tonight. Nordai gave the dwarf a high five. I have all sorts of rubbing oils. Amos snapped and a bag appeared before him. He reached in and started pulling out vials. This one has a nice warming feel. But this one makes things a bit tingly. Oh, this one helps stay up. However, if it lasts longer than four hours, one should seek a physician. I, though I doubt I will, though I doubt he will have any problem getting anything up. He's been chewing on a lot of ice lately. The reference went over the heads of everyone else. Let's not overdo it. Just a rubbing oil will be fine. Jalen grabbed a bottle and pocketed it. So, it is Tegan's wedding day. Um, they're waiting for the ceremonies to begin, and Tegan is worried about the night of the wedding. He's worried about consummating the marriage, one would say. Um, he having no experience, Jane having no experience, and especially with a group like the Brotherhood, who one would presume and assume are all experienced in that matter, but... Jalen gives kind of a nice pep talk, like, hey, it's going to be between you two, and you two alone, and that gives that gives Tegan the confidence that he needs in that moment. Two women were alone in an extravagant room. One sat in a chair, looking at herself in the opulent mirror. 
Her dress was pure white, causing her fair skin to look tanned. It flowed like a river across her slim figure and onto the floor. If elegance were a person, it would be envious. Her hair and makeup were being done by the other woman. It would be hard to tell them apart if you went off their faces and body types alone. However, the bride was a bit taller. You look so beautiful, Jane. I can't believe my baby sister is getting married, said the maid of honor. Thank you, Alice. I really couldn't have done it without you. Jane admired herself. Where did you learn how to do hair and makeup like this? I thought priestesses were supposed to be humble and look in attire. Alice rolled her eyes while saying, I may be a priestess, but I have hobbies outside of that. Every woman deserves to feel pretty now and then. I wish I had this skill. It isn't something they teach you when you become a cleric. Jane had a wistful look about her. Well, if you never became a cleric, you never would have met Tegan. I say it was a fair trade. So now we get introduced to the bride and the maid of honor. The bride being Jane, maid of honor being Alice. Uh, They look very similar. One would assume that's because they are sisters. When Alice and Jane were little, their parents converted to follow Caval and Enna. The parents moved the family hundreds of miles to Saul so their daughters could, could live with greater religious support. Where they previously lived had many different cults and zealots for many different gods and goddesses. Jane never enjoyed the strict watch of her parents. She wanted to be free and experience the world. She loved learning of Father of Light and had a great respect for religion, but she felt her parents were not letting her live. In the greatest act of rebellion she could, she could muster, she took the cleric's oath. Jane was now sworn to protect her religion and in turn the city itself. This would allow her to get away from the city and explore the world a bit. Most of all, she could get away from her parents. This assignment led her to be a medic for a battalion under the leadership of former General Tegan Willard, paladin of Saul, a follower of Caval. It was a match made in heaven. The two had a great love for the Father of Light. They served together for 18 months before Jane's assignment was up. Tegan still had six months until the assignment was up, until his assignment was up, but they would write to each other all while he was gone. Alice had a different view of her childhood. As the older sister of the two, as the older of two sisters, she felt she needed to live up to the expectations set by their parents and be a good example to Jane. She followed with all of her heart and passion, learning all she could about Caval and teaching others as well. Alice was the perfect follower of her God and put all of her faith into its teachings. The teachings were true and just to Alice. Never a moment of doubt crossed her mind. Alice was set to take the priest's oath a couple years before Jane became a cleric. One day, Alice was visited by the bishop, who visited every soon-to-be priest or priestess before they took the oath. The bishop was the prime example of a follower of Caval in the eyes of Alice. He could do no wrong. That was until she met him. The bishop regaled Alice with tales of faith and repentance. It was inspiring. Stories of bishops of old followed, following the light of Caval and being blessed for it followed by miracles and blessings flowing from Caval onto those who loved their god. It was exactly what made Alice love her religion and feel the wonderful spirit that came from the truths. The bishop's tone changed. The air grew cold. He started to talk about justice and punishment. In the words of the bishop, men were now sinners and should be looked on as filth. The common man had no place in Caval's kingdom, in the bishop's kingdom. Alice cried when the meeting adjourned and the bishop left. The loving spirit that warmed her soul now replaced by darkness and cold. She prayed for hours on her knees in the middle of her room, crying the whole time. 
no one else was home to witness the miracle that came to Alice. A woman, surrounded by light, stood behind Alice. My child, do not cry, for I have given you life, the greatest gift of all. The voice was comforting and warmth, and the warmth Alice once knew returned. You have followed the light, and have been a faithful servant for Father. He is still a true and just God. He loves you. Take the oath, but take it in my name. I am your mother, and I will always look out for you. Enna, the mother of life, had shown herself in the flesh and blood to the most devoted follower. You have a body. You are real. You are here. Alice had never heard of the gods being people with flesh and blood. The sensation of truth and spirit overwhelmed her. I was once like you. I lived a life of my own under a god of my own. I am now a goddess, as you one day will be. I have given birth to your spirit and the spirit of all life in this world. The words were never taught in any of the gospels Alice had studied. But my child... You are now blind of my existence, and will soon be blind to your fathers. They use religion as a tool for power. Do not follow them, but make your own path towards the truth. Do not lose faith. Alice was alone. It was not a dream. It was not a spell. It was her true mother comforting a child. The day of the oath came on her 18th birthday, ten years ago. Everyone except Alice to take the priest's oath of Caval. Everyone expected Alice to take the priest's oath of Caval, but as she started reciting the passage, a gasp came from the audience. Speaking with the power given to her by Enna, Alice vowed herself to her mother. In the Gospels, this oath had been just as sacred and respected as the oath of Caval, but over the years people did not believe that, though her parents would never show it or say it. Or say it. From that day forward, they hated Alice for following Enna. Jane, on the other hand, still knew the oath towards Enna was sacred and was proud of Alice, though a bit confused and let down. Alice was the only priest or priestess in the city of Saul to follow Enna. That didn't come without a price. So here we're getting the backstory of Jane and Alice. Uh, Jane being a cleric and Alice being a um, priestess. So when I was writing this, the difference that I felt was a cleric would be somebody that um, like went out and served for the religion. Like they went out with the battalions from the city uh, and the, the paladins and their job was primarily to like heal and cleanse the soldiers. Priests and priestesses um, were more like theological and... Um, giving sermons and the ones like preaching and essentially being the the face of the religion more or less where they were the ones like holding the services and teaching the people so there's there's kind of a difference there the paths that they took so jane decided hey i want to see the world i want to get away from my parents and alice was like i definitely want to follow this religion now, we get also introduced a little more to the two main deities of this world, um, Kaval, father of light, and Enna, mother of life. Uh, they are essentially husband and wife. And um, back when they were establishing the religion and life on earth, well, life on the earth, um, they were revered as the same, like they were on equal footing, father and mother. Over time, 
bishops of old, and definitely this current bishop, used Caval, Father of Light, as more of like a tool of power and judgment and, you know, the stern grasp or the stern word of a father rather than, you know, the loving message of both of them. So Enna, Mother of Life, was kind of put by the wayside because Enna's whole thing is like, hey, I'm your mom. I gave you life. I'll always love you. Where Caval, though he took part in that, is more like, hey, Caval is at the end of the day is going to be the one to give final judgment on people. And so they kind of used that and took that idea and ran with it to essentially instill fear in the hearts of followers and gain power. So these were bishops of old and, and the current bishop. So Alice is sitting there after she meets with the current bishop and is like, okay, I do not agree with this whole judgment day of reckoning talk speech that he just gave i don't feel good about it anymore and then alice gets visited by enna the mother of life and enna's like hey i need you to be my one devoted follower like you will do great things i will bless you take the oath in my name and and back in the day taking an oath for enna was just as respected as taking the oath of caval nowadays not so much so it really throws everybody for a loop when Alice takes this different oath. So I'm going to take my first break right there, and then we will get back into it. Okay, let's go. Alice, Jane was hesitant. Why did you choose to follow Anna? It has brought you nothing but sorrow. So we're now back in the present where the two ladies are getting ready for the wedding. Sorrow is but a consequence of living. My faith carries me forward. Alice hoped the answer would suffice. Do you not love Caval? I love Caval. I love him just as much as Anna. They are my gods, my heavenly parents. It is those who claim to follow, to follow Caval, but do not follow his teachings, who I do not love. Alice was remembering her conversation long ago with the bishop. But you aren't fond of the bishop? Jane was trying to get a specific answer. I just don't know why you choose the bishop to marry you. I have every right and authority to, authority to do it. And not that I'm jealous, I just don't think the bishop ha is the right person. Alice couldn't hide her frustration. But he is the voice of Caval. It is the greatest honor to have him wed us. Any true follower of Caval would love to have the man who speaks for our God wed them. There was judgment in Jane's voice. Jane, it is your wedding. I want you to be happy. You look beautiful, and Tegan is a wonderful man. You two will be happy together. This distracted Jane enough to get her off the previous topic. Just think of being with Tegan. Think of the joy of your think of the joy your future holds with the man you love. I am your sister and will always be here for you, but he is your husband. Build a life with him. The two looked in the mirror and smiled. The bride with joy and excitement, the maid of honor masking her pain. Thank you, Alice. Go ahead and get ready. Jane grabbed a brush to do a couple more passes through her hair. Alice left the room, which looked a little less bright than it had previously, though the sun was even higher in the sky. She walked down the stone hallway, unknowingly going the opposite direction of the courtyard where the wedding was being held. Once well out of earshot, Alice began to cry. Sorrow never seemed to leave her, even on the day of her sister's wedding. Will I always carry this sorrow so others will be happy? Alice said a prayer in her hair. Show me a sign you are with me. Alice? Jalen was alone, odd given the circumstances. 
He was the best man at his best friend's wedding and should already be in place with the other groomsmen. Not to mention the groom's room and the bride's room were on opposite ends of the courtyard where the wedding was being held. Jalen and Alice had became Jalen and Alice became good friends once Tegan and Jane started dating. They never had any romantic feelings for each other, but they had formed one of the closest friendships either of them had, despite their differences. Alice wiped tears from her face, her eye makeup a bit smeared. She smiled. Jalen, hi. I was just waiting for Jane to finish up. How long have I been here? Jane is already in position for the ceremony to start. We have been waiting for you. I thought I would go searching for you. They definitely can't begin without the best man and maid of honor. Jalen sat next to, sat down next to Alice. We should get going. Alice moved to get up. Screw them. They have forever together. What does a couple minutes hurt? Jalen chuckled. May give Tegan time, some time to calm down. They won't even remember we were late. Alice rested her head on Jalen's shoulder. How do you deal with it? Jalen assumed he knew what she meant. Well, he is my best friend, and sure, I won't see him much, but I want nothing but his happiness. No, not that. Alice's eyes started to water again. How do you deal with your people hating you? Jalen was quiet for a second. He knew Alice had always struggled with people judging her and looking down on her for following Anna. To be honest, I don't care. I know that isn't what you want to hear right now. How? How do you not care? Alice was desperate for an answer. I may have made a mistake, but I also know more than they do about the situation. Their opinion of me doesn't matter because I surround myself with people I truly care about and who truly care about me. Jalen gave Alice a slight nudge to indicate he was talking about her as well. The people of the Woodglen, though my people, don't care for me, so I don't give them my time or energy. I would die for those I love. Tegan, Nordai, Amos, Jamoth, you. I would die for the Woodglen. I would die for the people of the Woodglen, but that doesn't matter. Dying is easy. He had nearly experienced it many times, and he had seen people die and he had seen people experience it in vain. Living is the hard part. I don't live for the people of the Wood Glen. I don't live for the Wood Glen itself. I live for those I love, and that is all that matters. I live for you, Alice. Tears began to run down both of their faces. I love you, Jalen. I love you too. Jalen kissed Alice's forehead. You're the sister I never had. Now, there's a wedding we must attend, and I heard there is cake, which is really the only reason I'm here. Alice laughed at that remark, and Jalen uh, helped her off the floor. The two friends made their way to the ceremony. So, this was one of my favorite scenes to write in the book, uh, where Jalen and Alice are essentially sitting in a hallway, just kind of connecting with each other. When my wife first read this passage, she was like, oh, I ship it. Like, oh, you know, I want them to be in a relationship. And I was like, no, no, no. They are very much like just friends, but they love each other so much. So I had to add in that extra emphasis on like, hey, they were the brother and sister, you know, neither of them had. Because um, it does it does have like quite a bit of a romantic vibe. Uh, it definitely sends off that impression. I, I definitely get that. But um, I personally do not ship these two characters. Uh, I, I'm okay if the reader does. Like the reader can ship whoever the reader wants to ship. Me personally, I do not. But this was one of my favorite scenes because Alice is having a hard time because even though it's, you know, her sister's wedding, she keeps getting reminded of, you know, people judge her and look down on her for following 
Enna rather than Caval. And she confides in Jalen, who, though we don't know Jalen's full story yet, we get the understanding that, okay, he is from the Wood Glen, and the people of the Wood Glen do not like him or cast him out or have a low opinion of him. And he's essentially saying, like, hey, even though those are my people, even though, like, I belong to the Wood Glen, if you remember when they're on trial, he's the heir to the Wood Glen. Like, he's the heir to the throne. So he's essentially like the the prince that got kicked out. Um, but he's kind of destined, like, hey, you, you have to go back and claim your throne someday. He's like, I don't care about that. I only care about the people that are here now. Uh, Tegan, Nordai. Amos, Jamoth, Alice, like those are the people he cares about and those are the people he lives for. He mentions dying Zizi, I live for you guys. Like that's why I live. Um, so one of my one of my favorite moments in the book, um, there are a couple of other moments where characters have similar situations where they just confide in each other and I, I love them so much. Like I loved writing them. Tegan stood at one end of, the, of an altar flanked by the unt untypical groom's party it was a circus show compared to the identical looking bride's party not that anyone was looking at the groom's party as jane was walking down the aisle in her perfectly fitted dress no one knew who started to cry first but both tegan and jane had tears of joy streaming down their faces before she was even halfway to her groom jane carefully accept ascended the steps to join tegan on the other side of the altar they knelt and joined hands the bishop cleared his throat we come together on this day of the seventh month of the 715th year of Caval to celebrate the birth of a new union. Sir Tegan Willard, paladin of the city of Saul, shall take unto himself a companion, Sister Jane Theobald, clerk of Caval, our God. The bishop made a dramatic gesture towards the sky. It was Caval who brought light unto this land, and it was Caval who brought light into their hearts. Jane and Tegan smiled even bigger at this. It shall be Caval who will show them the future light and knowledge as they continue on their journey. I would like to explain a duty I bear as Bishop of Caval. As we know, there are great evils in this world. There is pain and suffering and filth. Now, I don't mean to dampen the mood of this wonderful day, but I mean to give warning. The joy in his voice was fading. Swift judgment comes to those who disobey. I pray you will always obey the words of Caval and his messenger. I promise to do I promise to do this will bless your lives. Live in the right, and you shall fear no wrong. Strict obedience is the only way. Always obey. Many in the crowd took this message as positive. It was gospel that those who obeyed the words of Caval would be blessed, and many had seen blessings in their own lives. Something felt off to a select few. Alice and Jane, Alice and Jalen shot each other a look. Nordai and Jamoth had furrowed brows. Amos was gauging the reaction of the crowd, which he deemed far too accepting of the words of the bishop. There was one person in a long crimson robe towards the back of the courtyard, the crimson color was too bright to match the deep reds that adorned many of the priests and the palace guards, and the style was unlike what anyone else was wearing, the hood covering the face of this mystery person. So, that is the end of that chapter. Ooh, things are ramping up. This mystery-robed figure is back. 
the bishop is making bold statements about obeying, always obey, swift justice, hellfire and brimstone to those that disobey. Things are, uh, things are amiss, and the Brotherhood is picking up on this. Little things just keep stacking up that don't quite seem right. So, Tegan and Jane getting married. But, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Teb's Talks, the premier useless podcast. You can purchase this book. It is on Amazon, Five Keepers Moonbrook by Jason Tebbs. Go ahead, follow me on Twitter, at Pummelhead. Um, thanks so much for listening. I love doing these readings. Uh, they're some of my favorite episodes I do. Um, I just I just like looking or reading my book and then talking about what went on in my head while I was writing these different passages. Um, again, we hit one of my favorite passages in the whole book uh, in this reading, in this chapter, and... Just more great things to come. I really like the book. I hope you do too. Uh, let me know what you think. You can reach me on Twitter. Um, again, at Pummelhead. P-U-M-M-E-L-H-E-A-D. So I will catch you in next episode. Peace out.